Hello and welcome to Safeguarding Soundbites. I'm Colin. And I'm Danielle. If you haven't tuned in before, Safeguarding Soundbites is the weekly podcast that brings you all the latest in safeguarding news, advice and updates in a bite-sized format. We had taken a break for the summer holidays with a summer special at the end of July, but we are back with some of the top stories from the last few weeks. We'll be covering the latest updates on social media platforms, a new online challenge warning for parents and carers, also new technology being used by the Internet Watch Foundation to detect abuse images, and also a new study that links excessive screen time to heart damage in kids. And as always, our safeguarding success story of the week. Why don't we jump back in by covering some of the updates on social media platforms? That sounds like an excellent idea. Speaking of X, formerly known as Twitter, it's been a rough few weeks for the platform. After owner Elon Musk instated a rebranding of the name, the platform has seen a decline in weekly active users and downloads. Now, what's worrying is that apparently this rebranding also included getting rid of safety features. X has stated that it will be removing the block function from its features, a decision that is putting the platform in conflict with the App Store and the Google Play Store guidelines. According to these guidelines, apps must provide a system for users to block content or other users. As we know, blocking is an important part of online safety. It helps users of all ages control their online spaces and limits interactions with harmful content or abusive users. Now, many anti-bullying activists and safeguarding professionals have criticised X for seeking to remove a critical tool to keep people safe online. I can't help but agree, of all the questionable moves X has made, I really can't see the good that will come from this one. Now, Musk has stated that they will not be removing the block feature from direct messages, Danielle. However, this is only one small section of the platform and it still leaves users at significant risk. Now, since the announcement, ex-employees have stood by the decision and promised that they are working on something better to protect users. Now, it remains to be seen what this is and will they officially remove the blocking function. Now, they've also announced plans to introduce call and video features and an option to collect users' biometric data. Now, our online safety experts will continue to monitor the situation and we will update you with new information as soon as we have it. X hasn't been the only social media platform making questionable decisions regarding user safety. TikTok has recently been fined for breaching children's privacy in the EU. This comes after they were fined 12.7 million by the UK for illegally processing the data of over 1 million children under the age of 13. Regulators have claimed the platform has done very little, if anything, to verify the ages of its users and remove any underage accounts. I wonder, does this have anything to do with the EU's Digital Services Act? Yes, it does, Colin. As we know, the EU Digital Services Act came into effect last year, but allowed time for social media platforms to become compliant with the requirements. Despite TikTok voluntarily submitting to a stress test by the EU Technology Commissioner, it was discovered that the platform still has more work to do to ensure they are fully compliant with the regulations. Since then, TikTok has announced a host of new features for the EU, including the option to report posts and advertisements they believe are illegal, as well as the option to turn off personalisation. Turn off personalisation? So, let me get that right. So that would mean they wouldn't be seeing content decided for them by algorithms? Exactly. 
Rather than seeing content based on their interests, which may not be aligned with age-appropriate options, users who turn off personalization will actually see content that's suitable for their age range and based on their country of residence. It's not a perfect solution, but it's a step in the right direction. It's also encouraging to know that big social media platforms are being held accountable by legislation like the Digital Services Act and the UK's Online Safety Bill, which we've covered in previous safeguarding soundbites. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know, this legislation will make social media companies legally responsible for the safety of children and young people online. Yes, it includes removing illegal content quickly or preventing it from appearing at all, blocking harmful and age-inappropriate content, increasing age limits and age verification processes, and the potential risks and dangers on the largest social media platforms are made more apparent to users. Unfortunately, the online safety bill is still making its way through UK Parliament and has been for quite some time now. That's been a common thread throughout our safeguarding soundbites. But Ofcom is stepping in to provide advice for the government and online services regarding the bill this past June. Hopefully, this means we are a big step closer to seeing the online safety bill come into effect. Now, in other news, a recent online challenge has seen parents and carers being cautioned for putting their children and young people at risk. Known as the Egg Crack Challenge, videos of parents cracking an egg on their unsuspecting child's head have begun to go viral on TikTok and Instagram Reels. Okay, hold on. Please explain this. Cracking an egg on a head? Yeah, it does sound a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? But in the videos, a parent or a carer is seen standing with their child at a counter and normally they are baking or cooking and it seems that the child is being asked to help. So a good example of bonding between children and their caregivers. It is, isn't it? Until it isn't. When it comes time to crack the egg into the bowl, parents take the egg and smack it directly on the child's forehead. Now, there have been mixed reactions in this video. Um, some of the children seem genuinely shocked before bursting into laughter, while others have been really visibly upset, hurt or even confused. What is worse is that in nearly every video, the parent immediately begins to laugh at the child's action, even if the child is upset. Well, my first question is why? Well, for many parents, they seem to think it's a bit of harmless fun, a laugh between themselves and the child. Except, of course, the kids who are upset by it. Exactly. Some of these children seem to be very young as well and at an age when they wouldn't be able to grasp that that is just a joke or even understand what an online challenge is. Now, it's important to remember that while there are always online challenges going around social media, what you do in the challenge can have a lasting harmful impact once the trend has died down. However, child psychology experts are especially concerned about challenges that involve tricking young people, especially children. One British expert has explicitly referred to the challenge as abusive, saying that parents laughing at the child's reaction might be experienced by the child as humiliation or a lack of trust. This could potentially confuse them in a way that is emotionally damaging and could negatively impact the trust that they have in their parent or care going forward. 
It's also worth noting that in most cases, the child is unable to provide sufficient consent to this type of video being shared on social media. Yes, and consent is key. The power dynamic is uneven between a child and the person who is meant to care for and protect them. Even if they are asked, a child may feel they can't say no or they they would be disappointing their parent if they did. Parents and carers may innocently forget about the imbalance of power and could be missing out on the opportunity to check whether this prank is painful or upsetting to their child. I think it's important for all of us to remember that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. A big part of teaching children and young people how to navigate the online world and its challenges is about modelling positive behaviours. This means asking permission, considering what you're going to share, reporting things that are harmful and taking regular breaks from screens. It's also crucial that children and young people learn that it's okay to say no, especially to harmful online trends from a young age. Exactly. Showcasing this ability to not go along with something just because it's trending at that time, you'll help to build up their digital resilience. Which, of course, is a win-win for everyone. For more information on harmful online challenges and trends, you can find them in our safeguarding apps or, again, check our helpful resources on our website. You can print that out, share it with friends on social media and help spread awareness of the risks that can come with trending videos. A technology breakthrough has made detection and removal of child sexual abuse material, or CSAM, a little easier, thanks to a grant by Nominet. Nominet is the official registry to .uk domain names, giving them wide access to a range of websites. They've partnered with the Internet Watch Foundation to ensure this technology is utilised effectively. And what kind of technology is this? It's referred to as clustering technology, which is a way to describe digital resources on one or more connected systems that are transparently available to users. Don't worry, that didn't make sense to me at first either, but essentially it's hailed as a revolution in assessing online child sexual abuse imagery and helping analysts assess multiple CSAM images in seconds rather than hours. Wow, that's quite a lot. It is. It means that it will help increase the IWF's hotline image assessment system by 112%, according to Nominet. The IWF have claimed that images with the same victim can be identified faster, as well as whether or not the victim is a child and if there is criminal abuse taking place. And it will also help assess criminal images in larger numbers, rather than losing critical time to individual assessments. Now, this technology seems completely groundbreaking, especially as the IWF are the leading experts in this sector. Exactly, Colin. The hotline manager at the IWF has said that what this means for their analysts is actually hard to overstate, as it's not only making the results more accurate and at a faster rate, but also protects the analysts from prolonged exposure to that extreme imagery. Now, advances like this are an incredible example of the way that tech can be used for good. They are vital to creating a safer online space for us all and protecting children and young people as they grow up in the digital world. It also helps victims who have already gone through something traumatic, which actually brings me on to our next story. A new pilot project taking place in Scotland, Burns Hoose is a new scheme that will aim to provide a safe space for children and young people who have become victims of violent and sexual crimes. Ah, yes, I've heard about this scheme. So this will allow children and young people to give pre-recorded evidence. Is that right? 
Yes, they will be able to remain in a safe and calming environment and give their evidence to a specially trained police officer without needing to visit a police station or a courthouse. It's based on a trial scheme from a similar model in Norway, and some judges are already suggesting that the model could avoid the need for children and young people to be cross-examined by solicitors or have to revisit the trauma multiple times. Mm. We know at times these processes can add to the trauma of the situation for a child or young person who's already suffering. Exactly. The Scottish government has supported this pilot scheme in full and it hopes to see it ruled out in other areas across the UK. Now, researchers have found a worrying link between inactivity in teenage years and a later appearance of heart damage in young adults, with increased screen time being a major contributing factor. Studies have suggested that this could lead to things like heart attacks and strokes in later life. My goodness, that's quite a shocking find. Yes, it is. And the study tracked over 700 UK children for 13 years to ensure results were thorough and spanned across different ages, genders and other variables. It used smartwatches to measure their activity throughout the week and the subjects that were tested were aged 11, 15 and 24. And were there differences between the ages? There were Researchers found that the average sitting time increased from six hours a day at age 11 to nine hours a day at age 24. A scan was used to assess the weight of the heart's left ventricle, which, according to the study, is an effective way to predict adverse heart events in adult life. It also helps to assess any cardiac damage in children and young adults. Apparently, an increased left ventricle was linked to longer periods of inactivity, such as time spent sitting. So how exactly does increased screen time factor in here? Well, Danielle, as we know, most screen time activities involve sitting down or being inactive. So it's important to note that this isn't just a reality for home life as well. Many schools and workplaces involve a consistent use of screens throughout the day while we sit at a desk which adds to the overall screen time a person might experience. That's true. A lot of the time when we come home from school or work, we immediately do something that involves the use of a screen, like scrolling social media, watching TV or gaming. Which we're all guilty of, not just children and young people. It's also worth mentioning that enjoying screen time activities like gaming is not necessarily a bad thing. It's all about moderation. I say this because some of the media outlets who picked up the story have headlines like playing video games linked to heart disease, which can immediately raise alarm bells about that particular activity. Even though it's actually all forms of screen time that are contributing. Right. The study's author, a doctor at the University of Eastern Finland, said that parents should try to encourage children and young people to move more by going for walks and should limit the amount of screen time that they spend on social media and video games in favour of other screen-free activities. I think we could all take some of that advice, in, oh, to be honest. Absolutely. Now that kids are heading back to school, make sure to introduce a healthy balance of screen time and downtime for your entire household. Have screen-free zones like the dinner table or bedrooms, as well as creating a screen time schedule for everyone can help. You can also encourage family walks, playing outside with friends or extracurricular activities as active off-screen alternatives to help them get moving. For more ideas on how to break bad screen time habits and get your whole family moving, check out our screen time activity pack on our website. We know that screen time, like all things, should be used in moderation by people of all ages. 
gaming is included in that. It is, and we should also consider some of the positive of gaming, as they can help teach children and young people important skills, like teamwork, problem solving, creativity, critical thinking and quick reflexes. Exactly. So for our first safeguarding success story of the school term, let's focus on something a little more positive in the world of gaming. Indeed, UK video game trade body UK has recently released a new campaign called Parent Power Ups, designed to help families have conversations about responsible gameplay. It offers support and guidance on how to use parental controls that help manage screen time, in-game purchases, online interactions and access to age-appropriate content. It's great to see. Parent power-ups actually found that almost 7 in 10 parents already talk to their children about the amount of time they spend gaming. But I suppose that doesn't tell us much about how those conversations are actually going. Well, if it's anything like my house, these conversations aren't always easy. But that's exactly what parent power-ups are aiming to do. Help families to find the right balance and language to use when it comes to gaming. And a big part of this initiative is the Power-Up Pact, a downloadable form that can be used to agree on specific aspects of gaming in the household. So what are some of the things that this pack covers? This form lets families agree on how much gaming time there is per day, how much pocket money can be spent on games per week, who the child is allowed to game with, if they're allowed to play online games, and which Peggy ratings should be followed when it comes to choosing a game. Now that's such a great way, isn't it? To make sure parents mm -hmm. and carers cover all of the important gaming questions with their children. Absolutely. Parent Power Ups is also fronted by some big names like footballer Jermaine Janus and comedian Judy Love. And they encourage parents to not only have these conversations, but to get involved with gaming as well. Professor Tanya Bryan, who partnered with Yuki to create the Power Up Pact, said that video gaming can be a great way to engage in fun activities with your children and will help parents understand the usage of gaming controls and restrictions. Sounds like it's time to get the dual controllers part up. It does, doesn't it? Or at the very least, walk through your child's favourite game with them. Which will help them feel that you value their interests. And it's certainly an excellent way to encourage discussions about healthy gaming habits. Now, where can parents find this resource? Well, we've placed this resource in our safeguarding apps to make it easier for you to find. But you can also visit the Ask About Games website for more information, including recommendations for how to approach conversations. I love that success story. Now, if you're wanting to brush up on any of your gaming lingo beforehand, you can check out our gaming buzzwords resource, both in our safeguarding app and on our website. Well, I don't know about you, Danielle, but it feels great to be back in the studio for weekly safeguarding soundbites and also your first episode. I know. How did I do? Uh, I think you did great. Let's ask the listeners and we'll look forward to hearing from them. But don't worry, we'll be back next week with more safeguarding updates and news for you then. Until then, you can keep up to date with everything that we're doing by visiting our website or heading over to one of our safeguarding apps. You can also follow us on social media by searching for Safer Schools. Until next week, goodbye and stay, stay safe. safe.